The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Linda Schub, your host for this episode and a new member of the Leadership Matters team. I'm in San Diego, California with OEC Strategic Solutions. I work as a strategic planner and leadership development consultant for the nonprofit and public sector. I am delighted to be co-hosting my first episode with the well-known uh, host, Dr. Cheryl G. from the Neighborhood House in San Diego, California. Today, we have the delightful fortune to be speaking with Peter McLagan, who is the Vice President of Poseidon Water. Our discussion today is about water as a global and globally scarce resource. We will be talking with Mr. McLagan about the leadership role that he personally and his company, Poseidon Water, have taken in the partnership with the city of Carlsbad, California, to develop the largest desalination plant in the Northern Hemisphere. Despite the numerous challenges, Peter's vision, his resilience, his experience have all resulted in construction currently being underway of the Carlsbad desalination project, and it is expected to be complete in 2016. This is a significant accomplishment and occurs at a time where the nexus of rising water prices and scarcity and advancing technology have created an unprecedented opportunity in this arena. Got leadership challenges? Interested in global and local water solutions? We encourage you to call or email your questions and comments and join in our discussion today. Valerie Wright, the CEO of Wright Ideas Unlimited, will be helping us to process your questions, whether they come through email or the telephone. You can email at Dr. Dot G, that's D-R period G at innovisions.org, I-N-N-O-B-I-S-I-O-N-S dot org, doctor dot G at innovisions.org. And you can also call in your questions to one eight six six 
472-5790. Well, on to you, Peter. Thank you so much for being our guest on today's episode. Mr. Peter McLagan, Vice President at Poseidon Water. This very important topic will help us focus on an additional issue of leadership where we will inform others and hear about your well-inspired solution. Before we actually get started with the topic, would you give us a little bit information, Peter, about yourself and your background and the topic of water in and of itself? Sure. Good, good afternoon, Linda, and uh, thank you for having me on the program. So um, my background, I have a Bachelor of Science degree in Civil Engineering that uh, I completed that education in the late 70s. And the emphasis of the studies in engineering were all water-related. So I subsequently took a job in the water industry. It was my first professional job. Started as an intern and went on to full-time employee for a company that at that time was manufacturing uh, reverse osmosis desalination systems, the world's leader in that technology that had been patented about a decade earlier in San Diego County, and they were now commercializing the technology for the, the first time. So it was a interesting period. From there, I, I spent about seven years in, in that with that employer and then went on to a uh, a dozen years working for our local municipal water supplier, the San Diego County Water Authority, helping that organization with its uh, regional water supply uh, development program, developing local water supply needs to meet a growing population here in San Diego County. That uh, effort focused to a large degree on recycling wastewater that was being discharged to the Pacific Ocean and making it u- suitable for a second use for irrigation or industrial supply. And we hadn't done that to any large degree in California prior to that time, so uh, we had to basically write the, the rules, the statutes, and the regulations to allow it to occur, and that created an interest on my part, and studying law, I went back to school at night, studied uh, law, got a degree at a uh, local university in, in um, Juris Doctorate, continued on with my water employment in the private sector as a consultant, and for the last 12 years I've been working for Poseidon Water, advancing a large-scale seawater desalination plant here in Carlsbad. So you actually hold two degrees, one in civil engineering and a law degree. How has that, the combination of those helped you? Well, um, I think both have helped quite a bit. The, the you know traditional engineering aspects of water supply have been where I started my career, but that over the years evolved into more of a management planning aspect where you get involved in very complex regulatory environments. So the legal training helped there as well. I've never actually practiced as an attorney, but it certainly has been a a good supplement to my professional career in terms of understanding the legal aspects of water supply, water rights, water uh, regulation to allow us to move forward with some some new things in the San Diego region in terms of water supply development. Hmm. Okay, fabulous. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. But for those of our listeners who may not be as familiar with the overall global concern that the water scarcity 
presents all human beings across the planet, would you just talk a little bit about the scale and the issues related to water? Sure, sure, I will, I will try to. <laughs> That's a I dissertation, think, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a f- fair statement that providing an adequate water supply to meet human needs is a growing challenge throughout the world. And for the obvious reasons, population growth, people choosing to live in areas that have drier climates, less water. California is a good example. Two-thirds of the rainfall falls in the northern part of the state. Two-thirds of the population lives in the southern half of the state. doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's the system we've got. And then you overlay on top of those human-created problems and challenges, the environmental issues associated with not only diverting water for human needs, but protecting the environment and the fish and other ecosystems that require that same water supply. And lastly, we have challenges associated with climate change and and changing patterns associated with that in terms of snowpack and rainfall. The traditional answer to these problems has been to build more dams, wells, transport water great distances, but many of those traditional supplies are stretched to their limit and it's created a need for innovative solutions and what we're seeing throughout the world today and particularly in the drier areas of the world southwest uh, u.s is a good example very aggressive water conservation programs squeezing more uses out of the same amount of water recycling wastewater for industrial irrigation and sometimes human consumption and looking to the oceans for drinking water supplies through desalination technologies. Mm-hmm. It's just fascinating. I personally, I'm afraid to say this, grew up in Arizona and um, knew all about irrigation and knew about the Colorado River water scarcity and desire and conflict between Arizona and California when I was very young because those issues were upon us daily, given that we were living in the desert. I think that's definitely compounded, and um, it's my understanding that some of the call for innovative solutions has come from the fact that the infrastructure that you mentioned, the aqueducts, the taking uh, water long distances, um, is old and needs to be replaced, which is a huge cost, and some of the innovative solutions are replacing the old methodologies given the investments. Yeah, that, that's, that's essentially correct, Linda. We, we've got um, what, what we have going on right now is a situation where the traditional water supplies are no longer cheap and plentiful for the reasons that you point out. And then we have this wonderful new technology that's vastly improved in, in the form of desalination. And those improvements and advances are directly attributable to an initiative that was started by the federal government back in the early 1960s. We all know that President Kennedy was famous for his goal to put a man on the moon and win the space race, but he had another goal as well, and that was to prevent what he feared was going to be a the next world war, which was not going to be over oil or other resources. It was going to be over a fight over water. And so his challenge to the federal government was to come up with an affordable means of desalinating seawater. And the 
U.S. government in the 60s started a very aggressive R&D program that led to the technologies that we're benefiting from today in the form of reverse osmosis and related technologies that allow us to competitively look to the oceans for you know, new, new sources of fresh water supply. Today there are 8,900 plants throughout the world producing water from the ocean using this reverse osmosis technology and collectively these facilities produce about 10 billion gallons of water each and every day serving every conceivable use from agriculture to industry to human consumption. And they're located at the kinds of places you would think for the most part, arid countries in the Middle East, but other areas you, you might not think about, such as Spain and down in Australia, China, uh, virtually every continent of the of the, the world. The U.S. is probably the last to move in this direction because of our history of having cheap and plentiful natural water resources, but all that seems to be changing here as of late. Climate change, if you... Except that. Um, so are, is this the first desal plant in the United States? In the Northern no, it, Hemisphere, I know it's the largest. It's the largest. Uh, mm-hmm. The next largest is in Florida that will produce about 25 million gallons per day or half of what we're planning on producing in Carlsbad. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, there's a number of smaller facilities, but if you look at California as a whole and imagine California's water supply needs, we, I think we collectively produce less than a half a million gallons per day of water from the ocean over um, a half a dozen facilities. So, you know, going from a half a million a day to 50 million gallons per day at one location in San Diego County is a, is a, is, is a big change in terms of how we look at water from the perspective of uh, California. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I think I hear music in the background informing me that we are going to take a break right now. When we return, um, we will be further discussing issues of desal. We would love to have some questions and or comments, phone calls, emails from our listening audience. Please do stay tuned and, tuned and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, 
recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello, we are back with more on Leadership Matters. And I will remind you, if you have just tuned in, that I am Linda Shub, your host for this episode, calling in from San Diego, California. And we also have with us Dr. Cheryl G., co-hosting today from the Neighborhood House. Today we are talking about water as a scarce resource, and our guest, is Mr. Peter McLagan, Vice President of Poseidon Water, who are the developers of the largest desalination plant in the Northern Hemisphere, which is being um, developed and implemented in the city of Carlsbad, California. So thank you all again for listening. We've had a couple of questions come in from our audience, and We'll start with one from Madeline in Oregon. Go ahead, Valerie. Yes, Madeline in Oregon wants to know, what other alternatives are being considered to address water shortages in San Diego County and other cities? Take it from there, Peter. Sure. Um, Well, suffice it to say, the history of San Diego has been a never-ending search for for water ever since the earliest uh, settlers here landed in the region in the 1700s and so it's been a constant struggle we started building dams and drilling wells in the 1800s followed with hundreds of miles of pipes that are large enough you can drive a truck through them to bring water in from northern california and the colorado river all of that met our needs literally up until um, 1990 when we had a horrendous drought and realized that these imported water delivery systems that were now meeting the needs of nine out of ten of the local residents were um, subject to, um, they they weren't able to meet the reliability needs of the region to the extent that we would like to support the $186 billion local economy here in San Diego County. So that led to a rather concerted effort to start looking at alternative water supplies that could meet the local needs and ideally here within the the San Diego boundaries as opposed to those sources of imported water that we've become overly dependent upon from hundreds of miles away. And the San Diego County Water Authority and its management staff and board of directors set out to lessen their dependence on imported water and the alternatives that were put on the table ran the gamut of just about everything you can imagine from the extreme such as towing icebergs from the Arctic to large baggies to fill up water on the rivers in the northwest up in uh, Oregon or Northern California and tow them down the coast and offload them in Southern California to more practical solutions such as um, 
improve plumbing efficiency, improved outdoor irrigation measures to lessen the amount of water we need to do the same amount of work in the agriculture and landscape in the residential community and indoor residential and industrial water use. Conservation has led to a situation today in San Diego County where we're using less water in 2013, considerably less water in 2013 than we used in 1989, and the population has grown by over 30%. So a huge success story there. That's the other- phenomenal. How does that compare with other regions in terms of their water consumption going up or down? Uh, n- not It's fairly typical throughout Southern California. You see similar results from conservation and probably throughout the state of California. For that matter, we're seeing a lot of benefit from California in the Southwest. I I can't speak beyond those boundaries, Linda, in terms of how conservation has played a role in stretching existing resources. But the other other big push here has been um, to look at the wastewater outfalls, the treated wastewater that's discharged to the ocean as a source of supply and, and reroute some of that water back into the community for further treatment to polish it so it can be used for irrigation and industrial supply. And there's a very ambitious program that's proposed for the city of San Diego to see if they can take that program one step further and treat the water to a level that would be suitable for human consumption and reintroduce it into the water supply upstream of the city's filtration plants. So that's uh, that's another big opportunity that's being looked at in parallel with the desalination project. And lastly, we have uh, we don't have a lot of groundwater in San Diego County. Some of it's too high in salt content. So there's uh, what, what you refer to as brackish desalination, which is not as salty as the ocean, but too salty to drink, and you can clean that up with reverse osmosis membranes as well, and we've, we see some of that going on here in San Diego County. Hmm. Hmm. And um, that essentially is a tertiary-type treatment that makes it potable, or...? For the brackish that, water or the recycled water? Uh, in either case, do those end up into our safe and reliable supply of drinking water? The, br- the brackish de- water desalination is becoming a drinking water supply or is it reintroduced in the drinking water supply and the recycled water for, for San Diego County, it's used for non-potable consumption for industry or, or irrigation purposes. Mm-hmm. Up in Orange County, just to the north of us, about 90 miles, there is a, a large-scale recycling plant that is uh, taking the, re- the program one step further, higher level of treatment, final step being reverse osmosis once again, and then injecting the water back into the groundwater basin where it's subsequently extracted once again and, and delivered for human consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fascinating. How, how have the citizens responded to desal in the context of what you're describing as some of the alternatives? Well, I think across the board, San Diego County residents appreciate the fact that we were water supply challenged and challenged and have been extremely supportive of all these options. We've been very fortunate with respect to the desalination project in Carlsbad to have tremendous public support. The Carlsbad residents, businesses, and elected officials are very open to innovation, have welcomed the project, and are quite excited about the new technology as well as 
San Diego County population as a whole, we, we, we enjoy about 85% public support for the project and literally all of the public officials wow. throughout, uh, you know, representing San Diego and Washington and Sacramento are all strongly in support of the project. Having That's said a that, huge level of public support. Yeah, you don't you don't find many projects of this magnitude and complexity that you can garner 85% public support, but this is one area. And, and I think it's attributable to the fact that 90% of the population of San Diego County lives within 10 miles of the ocean, and you know they see the ocean virtually every day, and there it is, the largest reservoir in the world. Why should we have a water supply problem is typically what you hear from the local residents when we have technology that can deal with that. And many people know that San Diego is still the world's leader in producing the membrane filters that are used at all of these desalting plants around the world. So they ask the logical question, which is, why can't we put this technology to work here at home? And that's what we're set about to, to accomplish here in the next three years. I'm just fascinated. It's quite an accomplishment. I was... Um really just enjoying the conversation. We'd love to hear a little bit about what the leadership is doing to gain the support that um, they have from the public in moving these um, efforts forward. I know that clearly, um, as uh, as was being said, as Peter was saying, just seeing the ocean and, and kind of thinking from a logical perspective, hey, we want to leverage that. But uh, what's happening, Peter, to actually get the um, public engaged in really being able to be supportive. Do you have any ideas there? Sure. This has been an ongoing effort for the last 12 years as we've developed the project to to bring the public along in their understanding. Of course, there is no free lunch, so this ultimately means that there's going to be modest rate increases to support the development of this new supply. So clearly you want to bring the, the rate payers along in the process and also along the way, it was was not all smooth sailing. We had uh, a couple of local activist organizations that were aggressively opposed to the project, and they challenged the approvals at each step along the way in the permitting process. And when the decision makers did not go along with their their pleas to reject the project, they they carried those challenges on to the courtroom. So there were. There were issues that needed to be addressed. We we tried very hard to address the issues the best we could with science and sound science. We're fortunate to have as um, part of our local academia the Scripps Institution of Oceanography, which is one of the world's renowned research and development organizations when it comes to marine science, and we're able to tap some some very well-qualified expertise to answer some of the key questions with respect to what impacts a desalination project has on the ocean. We, we essentially start with two gallons of seawater. We produce one gallon of fresh water and one gallon of very salty water that goes back to the ocean, so we need to make sure that we're able to accomplish all that in a fashion that's not going to harm the marine environment when you're doing it on a large scale. And the script scientists were able to come up with some very creative and sound approaches that we've integrated into the project design that allowed us to garner support from the um, state and local regulators that had to ultimately issue the permits for the project. As that process unfolded, there was um, need to educate the community, so we had extensive outreach programs. I think. In addition to the the permits, the San Diego County Water Authority 
agreed to purchase the entire output of the plant, and this is a, was a subject of two years of intense discussions, negotiations around what we call a water purchase agreement that will extend for the 30-year life of this program and result in increases in water rates somewhere projected to be 5 to 8 dollars per month in 2016 when the plant goes online so not a not a large increase but nevertheless something we needed to make sure the public was on board so collectively between the permitting process and the water authority's approval process there were over 60 public hearings that were held and peter consider- i hate to interrupt you but i hear the music letting us know we're about to go to a short break perhaps you can share with us how some of those public forums and partnerships were evolved after the break. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Did you know that at the root of every business problem lies a communication issue? Communication Nation, a show that brings effective business communication practices to the masses, addresses a number of topics and talking points that impact your professional development, as well as business productivity and profitability. Host Jill Schiffelbein makes the theoretical tangible. Tune in each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be ready to become a better communicator with Communication Nation. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We are back with more on Leadership Matters, bringing you greetings from OEC Strategic Solutions in San Diego, from Cheryl G. at the Neighborhood House, and from Peter McLagan, Vice President at Poseidon Water. Today we are talking about issues of water scarcity, both globally and locally, and the leadership role that Mr. McLagan and 
Poseidon Water have taken in partnership with um, what we were just saying is 60 uh, partnerships that have made the largest desalination plant project in the Northern Hemisphere happen. It has broken ground. We are in the process of developing desal water as safe and reliable source of drinking water. And Peter, if you would continue on and talk a little bit about those partnerships and the public outreach that you did, I think that would be very interesting to our audience. Thank you, Linda. At the break, I was mentioning that we, as part of the outreach effort, we had um, about 60 public hearings on the project, 40 of which were aimed at uh, dealing with the purchase of the water by the San Diego County Water Authority through a long-term water purchase agreement. So the, the Water Authority Board held, I think, 34, 35 public hearings uh, to address various issues of that agreement before it was ultimately approved late last year, which put us on track to be able to sell the bonds and move forward with the construction at the end of the 2012 and preceding that was the rather lengthy permitting process with several state of California regulatory agencies and, and the city of Carlsbad that had to issue permits for the project. And they collectively convened roughly 25 public hearings on the project and, again, hours and hours of public testimony. All totaled, I think we had uh, well in excess of 100 hours of public input. So it's that kind of input that ultimately leads to success or failure in any project of this nature. And in our case, we had overwhelming support for the project. With respect to the Water Authority's decision making, a, a big important consideration that, that led to that support was the, the, the nature of this public-private partnership between Poseidon Water and the Water Authority, which is the Water Authority's obligation under the Water Purchase Agreement is to buy a certain quantity of water over the life of the desal project, roughly 30 years, and Poseidon's job is to engineer, construct, and operate that plant and deliver the water to the Water Authority into their aqueduct system 10 miles from the, the coast. And the the way the payment works is there's no payment for the water until it's delivered into the system. So the the private sector in this instance is bearing the the bulk of the risk for success of the project. If there are cost overruns, we're unable to produce enough water. That that results in no cost to the ratepayers. And then if the water is produced, meets its objectives and delivered, that's when we get paid. That sounds like it might have been just a very large factor in the public acceptance and the political uh, concerns as well as the uh, all of the agencies. I'm sure you had California Coastal Commission and many, many others that had to approve that. Was that sharing of risk a novel approach? Well, it certainly was novel for this part of the country and, and how we deal with water, and, and, it, and it was indeed an important consideration for the Water Authority because this is a first-of-a-kind project for this area. It's not without a certain amount of technology risk that needs to be overcome, and the, and the Water Authority as a, as a governmental entity simply didn't want to put their ratepayers on the hook should things not go well. They felt it was best to leave that risk with the private sector. And if we're successful, great. Everybody's happy. We've achieved our objectives. If we're not, it's not going to come back to you know, serve as a, a, 
problem for the ratepayers that would be on the hook to pay the bills otherwise. Mm-hmm. 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 Fascinating. Um, you mentioned uh, the Scripps Institute of Oceanography and all of the marine science that has helped you establish some of the uh, data and research and facts that have moved this along. Are there other key partners? You've also mentioned the San Diego County Water Authority. Are there others um, perhaps less known or visible or anticipated partners that have been instrumental? Well, no doubt it was a team effort, and it was a, a, a lengthy team effort. We had um, we, we started this process early on with working with the local and regional water officials and elected officials, and we were out meeting with community leaders trying to get some guidance as to how, how to best advance the project. And one of those meetings, which happened to be with one of the water board members, led to a, a very interesting discussion wherein his advice to us was that this is this is a great idea. It's not going to be easy to implement. And what he effectively told us was, you'd have to put your helmets on, strap on your helmets, put your head down and plow forward and don't look up until you're done. And while I didn't realize it at the time, he was essentially correct in his assessment of what was ahead of us because being the, the first project of this kind in California and given the complexities, we, we, we did have to write our own set of rules in terms of how to, how to get it done and how to, how to secure the permits and make sure that all the regulatory agencies that had never been down this path either were, were comfortable and there was some rather unique mitigation plans that were put in place to protect the marine life, create new marine intertidal habitat to enhance the fisheries as part of the suite of benefits from the project. We committed to deliver the water in a fashion that is carbon neutral. And and when I say that, the desalination plant does not emit greenhouse gas emissions, but we do buy a fair amount of electricity from our local utility. So as part of the project approvals, Poseidon committed to render the carbon footprint for the electricity, we buy carbon neutral by a whole host of measures, including planting trees up in the forest in the back country of San Diego County that were were uh, destroyed by the wildfires in 2003 and 2007 and using some recycled CO2 in our water treatment process, purchasing some of the most efficient technology available in the marketplace for producing water from a desalination plant, I think we can successfully lay claim when we're done that we'll have the most energy efficient and environmentally sensitive sensitive desalination plant in the Western Hemisphere, if not the world, when we go online in 2016. And lastly, uh, any additional emissions associated with our electricity purchases that haven't been neutralized. We'll we'll put some uh, solar panels on the roof of the plant to produce part of our electricity, and the rest will be offset through acquisition of carbon credits and renewable energy credits just to make sure that we're leaving the world no no better, no worse in terms of global warming than before we built the plant. Well, and definitely better in terms of safe and reliable water. I am just absolutely fascinated because the. I guess when I talked earlier about the nexus of advancing technology and uh, uh, the need, the scarcity, and the raising of the rates in order to 
you buy more and more water, I am now hearing you talk about all these other threads that are coming through that are providing additional benefits, additional partnerships, um, just all kinds of things that may have previously been disintegrated, not integrated, but through a project of this nature, you're able to pull in everything from solar to power and energy to carbon footprint to environmental benefits. It just sounds like you've incorporated so many infrastructure concerns. I mean, who would imagine you'd be planting trees in the backcountry to make up for what's probably, you know, I don't know how many miles away from the ocean front where the appearance and the presence of the desal plant is seen, but the benefit is shared throughout the region. Well, I don't think, certainly in 2000, when we started down this path, we, we certainly didn't anticipate that that would be part of the project. But the one thing we, we did set out to do, and, and I think clearly stands out as the most important benefit whatsoever when you look to the Pacific Ocean for a new water supply for the San Diego region is that this this supply will be the one and only water supply available to the region that's not dependent upon snowpack or rainfall. It's truly drought-proof, and it's under local control. So those are the important attributes that the San Diego County Water Authority is looking for when, when they decided they wanted to enter into a partnership with Poseidon to build this plant. And we're talking about a plant that will produce 50 million gallons of fresh water every day, so about 10% of the region's supply, enough water to fill a backyard swimming pool in less than a minute. Yeah. It will be delivered 10 miles inland via a 4.5-foot diameter pipeline that's under construction today and will meet the needs of about 300,000 local residents, so helping the region lessen its dependence on imported water, which is where we started this conversation. It's the need to wean ourselves off of those um, sources that are, are becoming less reliable and subject of intense competition. And more and more expensive, which as a citizen, but also as a person who works with many of the water districts, water entities, cities, water departments, etc., um, the ratepayers really don't understand why water gets more and more expensive. And that is the apparent opposition, but really you've been able to overcome that and integrate all of these different factors in such a nice manner. I'm very, very impressed. Um, let me check in with Valerie, because as she said, this is the third segment. Hi, yes, I do. Um, I have a question from Mitchell, I'm sorry, Mitchell in California, who says there are a number of cities, and he named Stanford and L.A., Tampa, Long Beach, around the country, where they have taken on desalination efforts and have abandoned them for various reasons, including cost to build energy, uh, changing water needs, permitting processes, environmental objections and cost to ratepayers. What are you doing differently or how are you addressing such obstacles? Well, 
I think we, we we talked about some of that, and and obviously this this kind of decision is something that is uniquely local in nature. It has to it has to fit within the local planning, the local needs, the cost of water, and San Diego being at the end of a very long delivery system in California has rather unique needs that perhaps puts it in a position to move forward sooner with. Uh, technical solution involving seawater desalination than some other communities. There are about 18 other projects on the drawing boards in California. Most of them are carefully watching what's happening here in Carlsbad. If we're successful as we expect to be, I suspect some of those other projects will move forward and be implemented in the near term. If we're not, it will result in probably lengthy delays before you see any other major initiatives getting off the drawing boards. But one thing is certain, and that is that we don't have enough traditional water sources in California to meet the existing needs, particularly in the southern part of the state. And we we do need to look for creative solutions and the availability of the technology we have today. The seawater desalination projects can be quite competitive with other supply options and the other options that are available are are, are, are limited. Let me, so you, know, you, Peter, I'm so sorry to do this, but just as we don't have enough water, we don't have enough time before we go to break to hear the end of that, but hold that thought. We're going to take another short break. On the line, you have Linda Shube from California, Cheryl G., and Mr. Peter McLagan from Poseidon Resources. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We are back with more on water and desalination with Mr. Peter McLagan of Poseidon Water. 
we are discussing the partnerships and how to make this project uh, and whether or not the success of this project can be replicated in other places. We had an audience question that, uh, Valerie, if you could reframe it, and Peter was continuing to answer. Could you repeat the question, Valerie, for anybody who didn't hear it? Sure. The question is from Mitchell in California. Uh, Mitchell states there are a number of cities, Stanford, L.A., Los Angeles, Tampa, Long Beach, around the country where they've taken on desalination efforts and have abandoned them for various reasons, including costs to build, energy costs, changing water needs, legal permitting processes, environmental environmentalist objections, cost to ratepayers. What are you doing differently, or how are you addressing such obstacles? So sometimes some of the best discussion happens on the break, and we Peter answered part of that uh, prior to the break. And if you will continue on, Peter, with some of what we were just speaking about, I think that would be fascinating. Sure. Um, on, on the point of cost and and feasibility of, of desalination in terms of cost. There's a couple of important considerations, and, and one is the, the site where you locate this. And in, in our case, we're building the Carlsbad desalination plant at an existing power station that already has seawater intake and an outfall, and they're processing seawater for cooling the power station. So we have ready-made infrastructure that exists for us to tap into and get a second use of that same seawater already flowing through the power plant. So that in and of itself reduced the cost of our project by several hundred million dollars and and further reduced the complexity of the permitting process. So we have an existing industrial public utility zone site sitting on the coast pumping seawater through the plant and discharging it back out to sea, and we can overlay our project on top of all of that uh, existing site and take advantage of those the, the, the intake and the outfall that's already in place. So that was a big savings. Secondly, we're building a rather large project, and when you do so, you get certain economies of scale that result in some savings. And that allows you to produce a unit of water at a, at a lower cost than you would for a smaller project. That's not, not an insignificant savings either. And then lastly, because of the scale of this project, we're talking about literally um, just under a billion dollars, $922 million investment in water desalination infrastructure and a 10-mile pipeline to deliver that water into San Diego County. We're able to attract some very high-qualified firms to construct and engineer the plant. And in this case, we have the two largest general contractors in North America, J.F. Shea, who built the Golden Gate Bridge and Hoover Dam. Go, roots go back to 1880. And then Keywood Infrastructure, which also goes back to the 1880s, as a joint venture team that has come in to construct and engineer the plant. And they have teamed with a firm out of Israel by the name of IDE. And if you if you look at what's happening in water in Israel, the um, country today is receiving over half of its water supply from the Mediterranean through seawater desalination. And they're trying to grow that number up to about 75% of the entire Israeli water supply coming from the ocean. 
And so IDE happens to be one of the, the world's leaders in engineering and, and procure, erecting desalination plants. So they've teamed with the Kiwitshe team to provide the engineering and supply the equipment that will go on the desalination plant. All of this related to basically what you would say is the the scope and the, the scale of this plant has allowed us to attract this kind of expertise in these economies. And so perhaps some of the others that our caller asked about were not on this scale and didn't have some of that benefit and support and incredible global talent to contribute. Um, and plus, we know our population will continue to grow, I think, in Southern California. Um, well, the growth, the growth we're experiencing today is really from within. We're you know, historically, most of it was in migration, but I think if you look at the demographics of California today, about two-thirds of the population growth is from within. So unless we start, uh, you know, dramatically changing the size of the, the families that we're having in California, I think you'll continue to see growth, and the projections are on the scale of 8 to 12 million people being here that aren't here today by 2035. Boy, that's pretty scary. I hope the people who are working the traffic and freeway systems have as much innovation as you all do. Um, Would you do us a favor before we get tight and run out of time, Peter, and give give our listeners some resources or websites that they could log on to to check out additional information? Sure. Uh, with respect to the Carlsbad project, our project website is carlsbaddesal.com. So it's C-A-R-L-S-B-A-D-desal.com. And with respect to the worldwide desalination marketplace, folks that are interested in, in that subject matter, there's a international organization by the name of the International Desalination Association. Their website, uh, I don't remember the exact website, but if you Google IDA or um, International Desalination Association, you should be able to find them, and they've got some very thorough resources. And then our, our partner in Israel, IDE, is the other one that uh, if you Google them, I think you'll find some interesting thing, things going on in, in Israel. And, of course, Poseidon Water itself, correct? Yes, uh, PoseidonWater.com is the other website where we have our corporate activities. Uh, we're not only involved in... Um, seawater desalination, but we've been involved in some wastewater recycling projects and other treatment technologies over the years. Mm -hmm. Any words of wisdom or advice for uh, those folks uh, looking to compare desal as an alternative to other sources of water? Well, um, I think the for those that are interested in comparing desal to other sources of water, I would look to the San Diego County Water Authority's website because they went through some tremendous research and really really did the, a thorough job in terms of their due diligence on this project, looking at energy consumption. Israelis are or none producing water from the ocean at, at the lowest energy cost today, and we were able to demonstrate that, how, how energy rate changes over the future might affect desalination. They explored new technologies. They explored 
you know, different ways at constructing this partnership or engineering the plant. There's an entire um, section of the San Diego County Water Authority's website dedicated to this uh, 35 months of workshops and hearings that we talked about that supported the November 2012 approval of the Water Purchase Agreement with Poseidon, and their website address is sdcwa.org. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, I'm starting to hear the last piece of music, and I cannot tell you, this is just fascinating to those of us who live in water-scarce regions and hopefully to others across the United States and the globe. I'd like to personally thank you, Peter McGlagan, um, for sharing with us your 30 years of experience in everything from filtration, water resource planning, management, large-scale development of this particular plant and others, and we wish you all of the success in the world, and since I'm only about 10 minutes away from Carlsbad, um, I'll start watching to see if I can see any visual changes occurring up there at that plant. Um, You've been an excellent guest. You've shared excellent information and resources, and truly, we appreciate the time that you took um, with Leadership Matters today. Great. Thanks, Linda. Great first show. And Peter, thank you for being on. Valerie, as always, thank you also. Please stay with us and um, tune in next week for more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.